Who is Fiona? God, Jesus, what a question. I went to quite a small school and like in a small school, you're the best. And then you go to these drama schools and you realize that everyone was the best and you're suddenly not the best anymore. For me, when I started Forward Comms, which was the company, I literally had like nothing. I had just, it was the middle of the pandemic. I had just quit my job because something happened at work and I was like, I'm just not being treated like a human. I'm out of here. I broke up with my boyfriend. I decided to move back to the UK. I had to get rid of my flat. I moved back in with my parents and I had no income. It became successful because I had zero expectation. I didn't put pressure on it. My dad was so supportive. He was like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. You're not destitute. <laughs> I was like, opportunities like this don't come about. So you have to just take them and take a risk. And I did. It was honestly the best decision I've ever made in my life. Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Don. We are The Loaded. Hi, Dan. Hey, Lily. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really well. It's good to see you. It's very good to see you as well. Now, and Milo. And Milo. The, the new little man in my life. Indeed. Yeah, he's a little cutie. Likes to eat cardboard. <laughs> anyway, worked, on that one. <laughs> haven't worked that out yet. Anyway, who do we have in the studio today? We have the amazing Fiona Wishart. How are you? I'm so well. I just want to say one thing. My first ever boyfriend was called Milo. Oh. Good taste, good taste. Can I just ask a question? Yeah. Did, did he look like a dog? No, but he looked... I want to try and find a picture. He's really, he's like not attractive now, which makes me really happy because he broke up with me. Um, but I, you know, when you're, I engraved his name on like a, you know, one of those like, bracelets that you used to get in like Ms. Magazine for free. I like with my pen at school. <laughs> but I do like the name. It's a great name. Thanks. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, how, moving on. How was things? Really good. I'm a little stressed, a little flustered today, uh, but all very well. I'm like, you know, when you're busy at work, I'm not, but I'm busy, but I'm not stressed. I'm just like a little flustered. Yeah, I get but that. I just, like, I just need a wine. Kind of like the in-between. Yeah, like I don't have anxiety yet. <laughs> it might be coming. <laughs> it might, but it could be coming. It's like, I'm like on the brink. I'm standing at the edge of anxiety. And uh, one say, more thing. And it might take you over the edge, of course. I would say for many of our listeners, they may not know who Fiona is. Who is Fiona? Who is Fiona? God, Jesus, what a question. I know, I'm just going to throw that in there just to see what your reaction would be. Like, it's literally like the most philosophical question. Who are you? Talking talking Um, in the third person. Talking in the third person. So I am the SVP of Bacchus, GCC. Uh, We're a global PR agency. Well, actually not so much PR agency, we're more like creative agency uh we do pr we do events um we've got offices in london new york most recently miami and also gcc so we're very busy um which is great so we just actually had the owner in town that's why i'm a bit exhausted because it is it's it's very full-on when someone not from dubai comes to dubai because they want to like do everything yeah. It's like having guests in town. Like but your yeah, family, so your family visiting the Burge. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, we kind of did, you know, we just have so many meetings. We're just like, I'm just fucking sick of like speaking to clients. 
like just not, not even clients so it's like just you say you find yourself repeating yourself like the same anecdotes in each meeting because you know it's going to get a laugh don't you indeed. mind you <laughs> yeah indeed <laughs> anyway um i knew you a long time ago when we used to go you running with, we used to go running with puma oh my god then were the days and then were the days and also we used to go out to the act we did i keep forgetting about that oh, they need to bring the act back the act was a great, a great, t- a long story. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> another podcast. Um, but another act was great. I remember those nights, all the performers and the shows, which was awesome. It was like the start of the dinner shows in Dubai. It what? Do you know what? It really was. It I was. feel like it was like the it was the like it spearheaded the dinner show thing, and now it's everywhere. Everyone is doing a dinner and a show. But I feel like they acted it slightly differently because they did it. They uh, they opened up. The, I mean, I don't know. I don't really go out anymore. But like, it, it was a kind of like a party after. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. And Maybe then you used to dance. And then you did take me home once because I was so drunk. <laughs> I'm going to just to clarify that. In a non-sexual way, obviously. My mum's probably listening to this so confused right now. She's like, what? Anyway. <laughs> in a non-sexual way. <laughs> However, I also, yeah, we used to um, do a lot of work together when you used to get me freebies from Puma. Yeah, I know. Day. How did you get freebies from Puma? Because that's when the world had marketing budget. Mm. <laughs> it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. But I, I think I roped you into it, didn't I? Yeah, you were I like... I think it was like one of those things. I was like, Dan, do you like to run? And you were like, yeah, I can run. Yeah, like, I think like on a, on a treadmill. You ran. Yeah. I did. I, do you, actually, yeah, I used to run. Like, really? Do you not know this? No. Yeah. no, no I, used to, I used to run for Greater Manchester when I was a kid. Like when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I used to actually be like a writer proper running. proper running. Like cross country, yeah. Wow. In athletics, I was like really good at like the 400, 800. Anyway, it's not he about me. You was pretty good. I was all right. And then I got yeah. to like middle age, a little bit fatter and had an ankle, ankle industry and it kind of killed it. But yeah, I used to remember those sessions with Puma. It was good back in the day. It was good. And I used to just sit on the sidelines watching everyone. With freebies, with new trainers and new shorts. Anyway. Well, so have you always been in PR? Always, always, always. And it was one of those weird situations. So I did, um, I went to drama school and I always thought I was going to do that. Um, And then I got there and I had my first like seminar whatever you call classes then and um I just realized that like I came from I went to quite a small school and like in a small school you're the best and then you go to these drama schools and you realize that everyone was the best and you're suddenly not the best anymore and like I I just realized I was like oh do you know what everyone here is just way more passionate than I am I thought I was but you're when you meet someone that's like super passionate about theater and all that they they went to like art schools and they were like homeschooled theater kids I was like do you know what it's just not the life for me and my dad said to me do you want to so my dad was a banker and he was like do you want to go into finance and I was like I'm very financy and he was like why don't you try PR try finance PR so I got an internship at uh, Brunswick which is like a big financial PR agency here in Dubai because I grew up in Dubai and um, I did like a couple of internships during uni and then I moved out here after uni full-time and then I got another internship and then so, it just so hold on a second you wanted to be an actor yeah oh wow I was like 
hell bent on it. I thought I was going to do it. And then what's funny is I've noticed in PR, a lot of people are ex-drama school kids that work in PR. Why do you think that is? I think it's because when you're um, a performer, you're, you know how to obviously like work the crowd, you work the stage. And with PR, a lot of it is working a crowd and being like, it's a bit of a performance because you're basically selling yourself, you're yeah. selling the company and you know how to public speak. I think public speaking is the most important thing. And when you work in PR, um, those are so many, those are the skills that you need to be a good public speaker. You need to be a good networker. You have to be confident and like the owner of my company, she used to be a ballerina. She used to be an actress. And then she started wow. Bacchus. So, and when she told me that, I was like, oh my God, I went to drama school too. And um, Sean, one of my colleagues, she also was like drama kid at school. And it's funny, like you start meeting all these people. And I think it's because of the like confidence thing. It's like a slight, like nicest segue into like still performing, but not really, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I did that. Yeah, I've always worked in PR and I don't know, I don't know. I've never, I never thought that I would, I try, I thought maybe I was like, maybe I'll try something else. And I just never did. And I'm so glad actually, because it is just, it is what I'm, is what I want to do. And I but, feel so grateful that I have that. Well, it's pretty cool how you managed to get an internship, but you hadn't studied PR, right? No, I hadn't. And I think that, that, um, I just honestly, I just got given a chance. And mm. I think that that's, I'm, I'm really, when I look at hiring people, I really look at people that have never had experience. One, because I'm a bit of a control freak. So that means that I like mold them into how I want them to work. But also because if no one gives you a chance, how are you ever gonna get, like find your path? Because I had so many, I interviewed quite a few girls recently because I was hiring and a lot of them were like, thank you. Cause I'd written this post on that Dubai girl. I don't know if you know. And I said, hi, no need for experience. I really like Emirates girls or teachers because they have all the transferable skills for PR, especially Emirates girls. Yeah. And so many of them came to me like, oh my God, thank you so much. We've been trying to get jobs and no one wants to hear of us because we haven't had experience. And I was like, why wouldn't you pick these people? Like you just take an hour out of your day each day to train them. And they'll pick it up. So and you could also I train them. Chance. I was just say you could also train them the way that you want them to be trained and how you exactly. need them to be trained. Oh my god! Exactly. I like I my best hires have been the ones that have come from Emirates or teachers because they have got so many transferable skills and they will listen and they want to learn. And then I've just taught them how I would do it, and now they do it, and I don't have to correct them because it's just how I would do it. I was just say, <laughs> what what are those transferable skills? So like Emirates girls, for example, one, it's client relations anyway. And, you know, they're having to speak to people all day. And that's basically what PR is. It's relationship building. So they're able to speak to people that they, they don't know. Yeah. They have to, it's a client service, which is exactly what we do. We client service and they're always well presented. And a lot of them have, pretty much all of them have some kind of like marketing university degree. And also I think that with Emirates girls specifically, they have a travel bug. They like to travel. They've seen a lot of the world and we do a lot of travel hospitality PR, which works for us because that means that they've traveled the world and they understand different cultures and it works. So I, I think it's such a transferable skill. True. And I also think if you can survive a Manchester flight, you can survive anything. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on those flights early in the morning. And also like they're hard work, they're hard workers because those girls have got jet lag and they still have to get on a plane 16 hours yeah. and 
still work and they're really hardworking. And I think the Emirates girls get a little bit of a bad rep here, but I think it's super unfair um, because all the girls that I've met have just been such great girls who just want, have need of either, so Charlotte who works with me, she, she's my age and she'd been kind of stuck working in Emirates. She started doing that thing. I want to move to Dubai and see the world in her twenties. And then she got to her thirties and she was like, oh my God, how do I get out of this? I've only ever worked in Emirates. So, yeah. and no one was giving her a chance. So I think that a lot of girls kind of get stuck maybe doing it and then they can't get out of it, um, which is really sad. Mm. So what, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so after doing finance PR internship, by the way, how did that go? Honestly, it really wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember I was in um, what the part, like the big partner, the like main boss. Um, he sat me down in the meeting room and was like, and like, good for him. Like I was just like a random intern. He did this for me. He sat me down and he was like, look, these are the clients that we, this is when I first started. Um, it's like, these are the clients that we work with, blah, blah, blah. And I saw one of them and I was like, oh my God, I know this one. So literally all of them were like hedge funds. Whatever. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Isn't it um, that jewelry store, like on, you know, those high streets, Ernest and Jones. And he was like, he was like, no, this is Ernst and Young. Oh I gosh. Ernst and Young was a jewelry store. <sighs> and he was like, I don't think that finance is for you. And I was like, I don't think so either. And he was like, have you tried lifestyle PR? And I was like, no, what's that? And he told me, and then he put me basically in touch with the next uh, agency that I, which was a travel agency. And he was the one that basically pushed me towards that, which was, I'm so grateful for, because I would have just been an absolute shit show. Um, in finance. And then and fine. Oh my God. I actually, I can't even do my finances now. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just wasn't for me. It's just like, I think that if you've got a really strategic mind and you're like really corporate and I don't know, like, I don't know, it's just not for me. I'm not a very corporate person. I'm pretty, I'm chilled. And at the time I was young, I just wanted to have fun. So. So it's worlds apart from PR. Completely. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean like finance PR it's PR, but it's like a different kind. It's yeah. just not, it's, it's, it's a lot of like, it's bland, it's crisis comms a lot of the time. It's just like, it's not, it's very bland. Whereas mm-hmm. we do a lot more like launches and fun. So the, the lifestyle PR that you moved into, tell us a bit about that. So we work with quite a lot of, well, I have done over the years, like worked with quite a lot of restaurants, like I've opened so many restaurants in this town. Like we've done them all. Um, we did like, on my old agency, I did like, I did fashion, which I hated. Um, but we, so we launched like Gaia, Indochine, Shanghai Me. We did like loads of DIFC restaurants. The restaurant launch is so much fun. And um, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like there's, it's funny. Cause you kind of, once you do a certain kind of PR, which is kind of what I do, which is lifestyle PR, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I can't open another restaurant anymore. I can do it with my eyes closed. And you want like the next step, which is now basically where I'm at. So we're going to look into like doing property, which is obviously for Dubai massive because there's just like residential properties all over because I'm kind of like, I need, I constantly need to be challenged. Otherwise I get bored. And then I'll do something crazy, like set up my own company or something. So I am now in like the second phase of like 
I've done the lifestyle PR. It's really fun. And I recommend everyone try lifestyle PR if you are working in PR or want to, because it's a great way to kind of make connections and things like that. But now I'm kind of not so corporate, but definitely more, more of a challenge, I think, which is what the corporate side of things come into play, which is. So what was, what was your favorite restaurant opening or one of your most memorable? Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't even know. I don't know. I've done too many. What? I'm just trying to think. Oh my God. I have no idea. I've done so many of them. Gaia for me was a really good one because the client at the time called Christina, she actually is now the Gaia PR. She, um, she has a fantastic agency called CM comms. Her and I were just such good friends and we had such an amazing time together and Gaia from the moment, I don't know if you've been, but like for the moment it opened, it was like the most, it was the most fantastic restaurant. Food is amazing. It's consistently good. Obviously Chef Izu's like super well known and he was, it was such a like, um, it was such an amazing client to work on. It wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was like the biggest, like flashiest opening, but there was like from the moment the doors opened, like, I don't know what it was. It was one of those freaks of nature so in Dubai in the restaurant scene there are some places that will open and they will stay busy for the rest of time Gaia the main and Tom and Serge and there's like maybe like one other that no matter what time of day whatever happens in this world it will always be busy there is just no Zuma is also another one the freak of nature and like it's there's something about it whether it's location or I don't know what it is the formula is just right and it like Tom and Serge when I did the opening with Tom and Serge I've worked with him for like 10 years like everyone was like oh my god the location's really weird but the moment it opened its doors it was busy whereas other places they can have the most amazing product and there's some there's something not right and it's empty it's so weird like I don't know I don't know what it is and when you get to work with on one of those like freak of nature clients it's like honestly the most rewarding thing ever but what is it that they did so right that made them so successful? I honestly have no idea. I think it has a lot to do with location for one. It's in DIFC. It's in a really like, it's obviously a really important um, area for a fine dining restaurant. Chef Izu is super well known. Bulldozer Group, which is the hospitality group. They own Cipriani, they own Scalini. Um, Evgeny, who's the owner, is super, like he's a, an amazing restaurateur and the food was just like they just nailed the food and they nailed the design and it was kind of everything kind of came together and I think that's why it was successful um and then we also had like a a really different strategy but the main also was like the main there was something about the main that people like just I don't know there's there are certain restaurants that people just feel comfortable with and they'll and they'll continuously go and that's what I think makes something different there are other places that you would maybe go once and be like oh that's just a special occasion I'm not going to go every single month whereas Gaia the main Tom and Serge you want to you'll you'll make go back many times yeah for sure go back many times I don't know what it is honestly I really I can't I can't tell you what the that I think is the formula but a lot of people have. I think a lot of it has to do with the people they employ you know I completely agree and then okay, also the the decor, the layout, the, all of that. The they, they've it's it's very considered. All those venues <laughs> is so considered, and the team, the staff, the mm. waiters, the way they treat you, the way they speak to you, they're really highly skilled. You know, they've invested. So it's it, you want to go back and have and that experience. See. Yeah, 
And you can see that. And I think that where Dubai gets it wrong with the restaurant scene here, they open things that are not considered. And you can tell. And because there are so many, I just feel like a lot of places, like when I started Fordcom, so before I joined Bacchus, I had my own agency. And before you like let's let's put a pin in that one because I want to hear about how you all of a sudden decided to start your own agency so we'll get back to um, that as well yeah so basically the loads of places used to come to me and be like oh with this restaurant in our wassail like could you help us and I'd be like you need to just start from scratch and start again because I can't like I can't help you because you're doomed because you've just created a concept that's just never going to work so just close it down and start again and that was kind of I'd say that a few times it was bad but like a lot of people just don't open restaurants without any kind of thought process go on I was gonna ask a question you asked <laughs> no no yeah because I'm really I'm really keen now to understand like how you started your own business yeah like, oh, what, what, what was that journey do you know what I heard this um, podcast today it was actually I don't know Stephen Bartlett Matthew Hussey is on his most recent podcast and they said like um when a lot of the time people's like downfall or actually how they made their success so like for me when I started forward comms which was the company I literally had like nothing I had just it was the middle of the pandemic I just quit my job because something happened at work and I was like I'm just not being treated like a human I'm out of here I broke up with my boyfriend I decided to move back to the UK I had to get rid of my flat I moved back in with my parents and I had no income also obviously over the pandemic salaries were cut so it's not like I had any money and I, before I left, I got just to help like with cash, I managed to get two freelance clients, which was what was Bull and Rue. So Tom and Serge, et cetera, um, and three fills. So I literally had like 8,000 dirhams of income because that's all they could pay me between them, which is like not that much. I moved back to the UK. And like, <clears throat> I remember like, thank, you know, I will say this. <laughs> I'm very fortunate and I will never not say I'm not fortunate. I'm super fortunate that my parents are financially stable enough to have been able to let me come home with no job and obviously financially support me. My dad also gave me £5,000 to start this business. And also when I wasn't able to afford whatever it was, he would pay for it. So like, I'm not like, I think that a lot of people like, when they start businesses and things like that, you have to be financially supported if on your own before you start, or you have to have like a support network. And if you don't have that, it's really, really tough and you'll, and you'll struggle. So I think that, um, you know, if people ask me, oh my God, how did you do it? I'm like, because I had extremely supportive parents and like, thank God, because if they didn't do that, then I would not have been able to like financially support it. But my dad was like, why don't you just try? If you've got these two clients super easy, surely you can just do it easy. And I was like, oh, maybe I was like, maybe let me try. And I had had, so I got myself a job, but um, it wasn't starting till the October and this was the July of 2020. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to have a whole summer of no money. So I was like, let me just try this thing. So I said no to the job. And then I just decided to set up with company's house in the UK. And then from there, I basically just went out to like a lot of my contacts and then the kind of, it's just like word of mouth also in PR. Um, and it just like snowballed from there. And I think it's because it became successful because I had zero expectation. I didn't put pressure on it. My dad was so supportive. It was like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. You're not destitute. 
you're not going to have no money. Like you're going to be fine. And I think if I hadn't had that, I think I would have been way more stressed, which would have like hindered me in getting clients and being, um, the best practitioner. Well, you, you would have be. operated from fear, right? You would have been operating exactly. from a from a negative space as opposed to a positive space. Completely. Exactly. And I think that that would have massively impacted the business because I'd have taken on accounts that would have put us in a certain reputation, whereas I was able to be more um, thoughtful about who we were taking on. And we, I was it was a slower process to build the accounts. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like if there were a few here and there where it was like a cat, you know, there are always in an agency, there are ones that are slightly less desirable that just pay the bills. And then there are the ones that are like slightly less money, but are the like shining stars. There will always be that. And I had a bit of that. And then like a year and a half down the line, we were doing really well. I was about to move back to Dubai. And then this company approached me um, for something else. Like they wanted me to work on one of their clients here for them as their local agency. And then we met and she really liked me and was like, do you want to just partner? Cause we want to move to the Middle East. And I was like, sure. Again, was, no, was, it, like, was it was it was it just sure or was there a moment of oh my god wow it, there was like a I was so confused because she she invited me to the office so I went in and I thought she was going to talk to me about like signing the contract with this client so I was like okay cool I'll come in and then she was like listen I really like you we want to move to the Middle East but we don't know anything about the culture so would you want to partner and become our business partner and you'd have to rebrand as Bacchus and I was like actually it sounds really interesting because I never wanted to open my own agency it just happened because I just tried it um so she gave me a week like I was moving back to Dubai so like we really only had a week so I was like let me go think about it so I thought about it and I was like I never for one second thought no I just thought yes and so many people were like I think you're rushing into this I think you're making a bad decision if someone wants to take you over after a year and a half shouldn't you like wait more four more years and I was like no I was like opportunities like this don't come about so you have to just take them and take a risk and I did it was honestly the best decision I've ever made in my life best decision ever I'm so happy (laughs) so but like has it been weird going from you were the owner to now you're part of the team was there a transition for you it was a little bit I'm also a shareholder so there was a choice so obviously when there's a merger um, or an acquisition um, they could either fully buy me out with cash and then I would just become an employee or which they did they offered me this shareholder thing I which I'm I'm actually super impressed with because they could have just offered me here's some cash you know go for it and that was a time where like I probably could have used the cash because I really still wasn't paying myself a salary um but they were the ones they were like we want to make you a shareholder um of the global agency and you're the share you're the shareholder in in dubai um which means that you're the general manager here you're the senior you'll then become a senior vice president of the global and um which means that obviously then i've got control of like slightly larger like corporate matters if there were any to arise um and it just make I think it just secured my position slightly more and I preferred that to a cash buyout because I feel like with a cash buyout I would have just lost all control and I think that I would have been sad because then that's completely letting go of what I built whereas this it was a merge we kept some of our clients we rebranded and we kept the team and they were they're so good they were like we don't want to take away any of your control. It's your office. You run it. We will be your like 
support and like financial backing so that you'll get salaries every month and you don't have to worry about that side. And they'll obviously, they see the, from London, they see what the Middle East is about to become in Saudi and all this stuff. So I think for them, it was obviously like a, it was an amazing. It was a very smart strategic move on their behalf because they still harness all your leadership skills. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, you, you created such a successful business in just a year and a half there, they were smart enough to say, well, we want to keep using that. Exactly. And I think mm. that they were smart as well because they caught us at the right time mm. because we were small enough that it was easy to merge. And they also, we weren't so established that it would be like them taking over. I don't know, obviously don't want to say any names, but like taking over an agency that's been here for 15 years. Um, it, we were a year and a half and I was still living in London. And also I don't have an ego. So I don't, loads of people were like, oh my God, you're gonna let go of the name. And I was like, oh, I couldn't care less. Like I, I couldn't care less. I, they were like, oh, you won't be CEO anymore. I was like, I don't care. I was like, all I care about is I just like, I just want, and this, what I liked also about them is unlike other bosses that I've worked for, me and she, uh, one of the owners, me and her have had this conversation where like, look, we all want to live a nice life. She was like, I want to live a nice life. I want to be able to pay my kids school fees. I don't want for like this glamorous yacht lifestyle. I just want a regular, normal life where I'm comfortable. And I was like, that's the same as me. I don't want, I don't need all the Birkin bags in the world. One maybe would be nice, but like, that I think was why it worked so well because we've got the same values. Kind of yeah. like when you get into a relationship with someone, you need the same values, otherwise it's not going to work. So that's, I think, why it was very succinct. Nice. So aside from being a leader in business, you also have a po- you also have a podcast. I do have a podcast. So yes. We, we, look, at, look, look, look at that pep up. Uh, <laughs> we, we're going to keep this PG though for this one. We've got a couple I can't, of, I can't. I can't. We've got a couple of minutes. I, I will try very hard not to. Well, you sort of can keep it PG if you talk, talk about the topic of the all right, podcast. Well, you, all right, a little bit less PG then. Go on, so what's the podcast all about? Because you guys have done really well. So we are actually recording season three this week. So we are, we're called, it's called Love Bites. Um, I do it with my friend, Laura, co-host Laura. Um, she's based in Ireland. So we, our tagline is, we're a podcast that talks about all the things you were told you couldn't talk about. So we talk about relationships, not being in a relationship, um, I'm trying to think of a like politically correct way. <laughs> I mean, you could just say it. Just say it. So we're obviously talking about shagging a lot. <laughs> I mean, and, you could you could have said it completely different. To be honest, there's other yeah, ways I that I could have said that. <laughs> and uh, we talk about how to shag better. <laughs> give tips. Um, there are, I think, there are our most successful ones when we give tips. Um, but we've kind of, we had two seasons where I was very single and Laura is in a relationship. So the dynamic, it was actually quite nice because I was kind of going off and dating and failing and she was in a relationship and kind of navigating that. And then we kind of, we don't really have guests that often. Um, but it's been really good. Like we, I still sometimes don't believe that people listen and then random people will message and 
say oh my god I love your podcast and I'm like oh my god I don't know you it's really weird or like today today I went um and said goodbye to one of my friends and she was like oh this girl's coming around because she's uh, picking up this um this part of mine I was like okay cool and I was there and this girl turned up she's like oh my god you're the girl from love bites and I was like that's so weird it's kind of cool it's kind of cool though it's kind of cool and like oh I remember this um my my colleague she was still flying at Emirates and um she was in the galley and one of her one of the other Emirates girls were like talking about love bites and she was like oh my god that's my boss it's so it is a bit weird it is it is it, it still freaks me out but now for season three actually you know this is the first time I'm saying this exclusive go on JJ is this I'm just wondering if it's gonna come out no it's fine we um, like exclusives yeah I'm allowed to say it Okay, he's giving me a thumbs up. Okay, so uh, I've actually got a boyfriend now, which is what? really, really, I know. This has put a whole new spin on season three. <laughs> I know. This is exclusive, by the way. I've not even said, I've not said anything. I've not put it on Instagram or anything. Actually, I did put him on Instagram, but I don't think people have like kind of clocked it. I've not said like, oh, this is my boyfriend. Um, so I do, and it's really weird because obviously, so funnily, <laughs> At the end of season two, JJ and I had a conversation and we were like, don't you think it would be really great for you to like be in love? And then that would be the end of season two. And then like, it gives hope to all the other single people out there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, probably gonna happen. And then like, whilst we were in this break, it happened. And now we're like coming in season three and it's gonna be so different because I have not been in a relationship for a really fucking long time. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I just, all the questions, I'm like, is this, why are boys weird? Why are they just like, why are they like this? Boys why? are very weird. They are very weird. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just stalking your Instagram right now to try and find out who he is. He's not on He's there. Really He's not on there. No, I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't posted anything it is we're going out for his birthday tonight that's why i'm kind of annoyed about the alcohol thing if it doesn't happen because i was thinking it's going to be the launch of him i soft launched him on the weekend but now i think i'm going to launch him oh my god does he know about your podcast he does he he does he hates hearing about all the like past stuff he was like i and i was like just don't listen to it then and but yeah he does know about it i'd be terrified about being judged yeah, I think he, so a lot of the girls in his office listen to it and they call me podcast girl. And like, so they, he was like, can you just be kind? Because obviously all, everyone in the office does listen to it. Like independently, it's before we started seeing each other. And then we started seeing each other and they were like, oh my God, it's the girl from Love Bites. So that's insane. So yeah, season three is going to be very different. Well, I was, I was going to ask, so what's next? I guess this is what's next. Yeah, so I'm um, I'm I'm going to try and navigate my way through a relationship, which is going to be interesting since I am the most single person ever. Um, so that's going to be interesting, mm-hmm. and I think that we're going to do more live stuff as well because when we've done it before, it's been really successful and like everyone enjoys. It. I think when you're on a podcast, people feel like they know you, and then if they haven't met, you, and then it's really it's really heartwarming then when you meet someone. We had this one girl being like, love bites changed my life because I was in a really bad place in my relationship and the new girls helped me and then all this other stuff. And I was, I literally met her and I was like, oh. <laughs> it was so sweet. So I think I'd really like to see more of that. I think bring it out of the, out of the studio. Nice. Life. Well, we're going to be tuning in. Aren't yeah, we? I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah. We are very excited yeah. for the next season. Congratulations. Thank you. Excited. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved this. Bang on time as well. I know. Yeah. We, I did well. we did so well. Didn't we? We have, I'm so, 
I'm so shit at timekeeping. We always go over. So I was like, oh, I was like, oh, we got another five minutes. And he's like, cracked on. Oh, First no, we, have, we, haven't, we haven't got producer like JJ's kicking us on. Oh. The right, well, thanks for coming into the studio. Thank, Thank you so much. And good luck with the love life. Oh, God, I'll need it. Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are The Loaded.